Welcome to North Gainesville Baptist Church. Please stand and take your hymnal and turn to 429. 429. Onward Christian soldiers will sing the first, second, and last verse. First, second, and last of 429. said that the Christian life is a battle, and indeed it is. But thank God, through Jesus Christ, the war is over. We have the victory. Thank God we win in the end. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus, and we can sing victory in Jesus because of your son's death, burial, and resurrection. We who know you are victorious in Christ. Oh, there's trials and temptations. There's times when we choose to sin and fail spiritually, physically, emotionally. But Lord, we know ultimately we have the opportunity to rule and reign with you. Oh, what a glorious day it will be when forever we will be with thee. Bless today as we look to your word for encouragement, for challenge, for help, for instruction. May Christ be exalted in everything we say and do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So good to see you here on this Sunday morning. And glad you're in God's house today. Don't forget, man, we will have our Monday morning breakfast 
at the 43rd Street Deli just right down the road uh, at 9 a.m. Hope you can join us. Of course, Wednesday night service, the different times and, and of those different activities are on your left there and you look at your bulletin. By the grace of God, we'll have our men's Bible study this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. This coming Friday, uh, looking forward to our Phoebe Valentine's dinner. If you, ha- if you haven't signed up, I think it's already past time to sign up for that. Uh, we're looking forward to a good Italian meal. Brother Eric is going to be sharing the word with us that night, and we're looking forward to hearing from him. Some good fun and good fellowship. So that's coming up this Friday at 6.30. Also, uh, next Sunday night, a friend of mine named Joe, Joseph Cotvass. I've known him for probably about 22 years now. He's a missionary to the deaf in Peru. Actually, Nate Tannehill is with that family down there right now. So he called me up and said, hey, brother, I'm coming through the area. Can I come by and tell you a little more about Nate? I said, sure. We'd love to know more about Nate. Tell us all about what's going on down there. And, of course, he's joking, but he's going to tell us about the ministry and all that he's been doing for many years down there in Peru. So looking forward to hearing him next Sunday night, February the 17th, visitation. Friday and Saturday, 23rd and 24th, we have our annual men's retreat. If you just want to go one night, it's $40. It's great food, great fellowship, but most importantly, great preaching. You have a sign-up sheet there on the back. I need you to sign up by February the 12th if you're planning on going. I've gone for four years. Every time I've gone, I've been blessed. Let me encourage you to go, men, and that will be a blessing to you. March the 3rd, the Calvary Quartet will be back with us that morning service, and we're going to have a guest speaker, Brother Bruce Humbert. He's been with us before. He'll be back with us as our guest speaker as we start our missions conference. We're doing a little bit early this year. Usually we have it like October or November. We're going to do it a little bit early this year. So looking forward to emphasizing missions a little bit more in the next several weeks. And, of course, you see there Sunday uh, through Wednesday, March the 3rd to the 6th. That Wednesday night we're going to have a missionary to Iceland. I've never even heard of a missionary from Iceland so when he contacted me and told me he was going to Iceland, I said, Brother, I've never heard of it. Won't you come share what God's going to do in, in Iceland through your ministry? He'll be with us that Wednesday night. So lots of things going on. Looking forward to what God's going to do. Brother Keith. Choir's going to sing Wonderful, Merciful Savior.
please stand and take your hymnal and turn to 321. Number 321, sound the battle cry. We'll sing all three verses. Number 321.
you're making your way back to your seats, please take your hymnal and turn to number 27. Number 27. Something about that name. Number 27. name, Jesus. Brother Eric, would you pray for our tithes and offerings? Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Miss Robin. Take your Bibles, if you would, again this morning and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 is we're working through verse by verse to the book of Colossians. Thankful for the opportunity to preach the Word of God. It's a, such a privilege, such an honor, but such a great responsibility as we go through these words of life. If it is still raining afterwards, I know you men are going to be gentlemen and you are going to pull through this little overhang and pick up your wife and children. But if you would, don't leave your car parked there so that, so that no one else can get through. If you would, pick up your wife and children and just get in the car, then go on through so that the next gentleman 
uh, can go on through. And any of you ladies, if you have any issue, if it's pouring down rain, please, I know one of these other gentlemen will be glad to get the car for you. Amen, gentlemen? Amen. Amen. All right. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Gracious Father, we just, again, we are humbled to be able to open your word, to read from it. We're so thankful in America that each one of us, many of us, have many copies of your word. Well, I know there's places right now, right now in the world where people are hungry for the word of God, and we have it in, in, in so many various ways and forms, and we're so thankful for it. But I pray to this morning, Lord, as we open, as we read your word, God, you'd give us ears to hear. Help, give us understanding. Spirit of God, speak to us. Help us to know it, to, to understand it, to grasp it, so, Lord, we can walk away from this place having some, some knowledge of what's been spoken this morning. Save souls that are on their way to a devil's hell. And encourage saints that we might live closer to Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my former professors told a story that I heard recently. He said up in the Northeast, an evangelist came to church, and they, the place where he was going to stay was just a mile or so down the way. and It was wintertime, and before cell phones. And so the pastor said, I'm going to give you a ride after church. It was evening service, I'll give you a ride down the church. But the, the evangelist said, for whatever reason, you know what, I think I'll stretch my legs. I've been studying, and, and, and I hadn't had a chance to get out. I think I'll walk to the house that you provided for me this week. The pastor says, okay. <laughs> so the evangelist gets out and starts walking towards the house. He knows where it's at. And as he goes, as he's walking, he realizes it's colder than he anticipated. And he's on a sidewalk, sidewalk and it's icier than he anticipated. And now he's figuring out it's, it's further than he remembered it to be. And the poor soul was wearing slick shoes like most of us men have on the day. And he's wearing his Sunday best. And he fell and he, he, he tore his britches or his pants. He fell twice. He was frustrated and mad and thought to himself a hundred times, why didn't I take that preacher's suggestion and just get me a ride home? And he got to the place where he was dwelling that, that week and he tried to open the door and he couldn't. Try the front door. Try the back door. He could not get in. He could not get in no matter what happened. So he had nothing else to do but go back to the church. And he went on the way back to the church. He fell again and busted his knee. Needless to say, he got back to church. And thankfully, it was open. Open pastor was doing some counseling. Just finished up. The, the evangelist came in the door, the pastor saw him, and as soon as the pastor saw this evangelist come in the door, he knew something wasn't quite right. He didn't, leave, he didn't come back the way he went. <laughs> he was a little bit frustrated. And he, 
the evangelist said to the pastor, I've, I went to the place you gave me, and I tried the front door, tried the back door. I couldn't get in. I've fallen three times. I messed up my suit. I'm just, I'm just here to preach to tell you I'm, I'm in bad shape. And the, preach, and the preacher looked at the evangelist. He said, why didn't you use the key I gave you? And all of a sudden, the evangelist almost turned white as a sheet. And he reached in his vest pocket, and there was the key. I thought about that. So often in life, we have the answers to problems. We don't realize we have the key. We have the key. The key to the Christian life is really found here in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Now, a couple Sundays ago, we talked about the importance of being complete in Christ. But last Sunday, we talked, about, we talked about the false teachers who came in and said, no, you're not quite complete in Christ. You, have to, you, have, you can be saved, you should be saved, but it's salvation plus legalism. Uh, that means you, you have to keep the rules. You can be saved, but you also have to keep the rules. Uh, salvation plus mysticism. Oh, you, you, there's, if, you can be saved, but you have to have some type of uh, experience. If you don't have this type of experience, you can't be saved, the false teacher said. And then there, we talked about asceticism, which basically is a, a false humility and a, 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 a humbling yourself. We talked about one man who actually climbed the top of a pole and stayed there on this platform for year after year after year, thinking that if he did some harm to his body, if he humbled himself, he would be more spiritual. Dear friends, again, salvation is by faith alone, by, in faith, faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. We must always remember that. If you Google how to get saved, you're going to get confused. That's why you don't Google it. You go to God's Word. That's the best thing to do. Always remember the source. So what does it mean to truly live as a Christian? Well, first of all, we see here in verse 1 of chapter 3, the, real, the realization that we are risen with Christ. We must realize that we are risen with Christ. It says, if then... If ye then be risen with Christ. Let me give you some verses you can write down on the side if you like. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What does it mean to be crucified with Christ? Well, obviously, physically, none of us have been crucified with Christ, right? We've never, none of us, thank God, have been crucified. It's not talking about a physical crucif crucif cru being crucified. It's talking about a spiritual crucifying. At the time of our salvation, as is like Christ was, was dead and buried and rose again. So we are crucified to the old life. The past things are no longer with us. We're, we're living a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, another verse to jot down. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. All things, are, all things are made new. You're, you're different now. You've changed. There's been a crucifixion. But when Christ, Christ was certainly different before, before crucifixion than, and then after crucifixion. His ministry has changed. But probably the most important fact of his entire ministry 
Oh, praise God for his birth. Praise God for his miracles. Praise God for all that he did. But dear friend, he could have done all those things. But if Jesus Christ didn't, didn't, didn't die, didn't shed his blood, if he wasn't buried, if he didn't rise again, his birth wouldn't matter. The miracles wouldn't matter. We would be still in our sins if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. But we who know him are risen from Christ. That means our life is different now. And it should, it, should, it should show in our actions, in our attitude. We see the words, Paul's words to the Galatians there, but also the, Paul's words to the Romans in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is a very wonderful passage of Scripture that I memorized and forgot, and memorized and forgot, and memorized and forgot. And I, I keep on memorizing because it's a wonderful passage of Scripture. But Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, Know ye not that as many were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We have been planted together in the likeness of a death, so we shall also be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man, the old person, the, the person before salvation, is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is free from sin. Now if you be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Oh, there's so much to unpack there. But dear friend, again, in Christ we're totally different. In Christ we're no longer under the penalty of sin. No longer am I endangered of being in the power of sin. Before salvation, I, 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 people, people would say, you need to change. You need to be better. You need to, you need to, you need to not do this and all those things. And even though I wanted to, I had no power to do it. Well, I started wrestling. And I'm not talking about wrestling, folks. I'm talking about wrestling, the sport of wrestling, which is big up north, not so much down south, but my best friend Chris Hester was a wrestler, and his two brothers, Brian and Kenny, were wrestlers, and they had won state championships, so Chris had to wrestle, and I was Chris's best friend, so I had to wrestle. I never wrestled before in my life, and it was the hardest sport I ever participated. I played basketball, played baseball, played football, ran track, did cross country, played basketball, played soccer, did all those sports. Not hockey, because it didn't, didn't have a whole lot of ice in South Carolina at the time. But wrestling was the toughest thing. And I can imagine Coach Neal coming to me and saying, Now, Marty, you know, you're a weight class. I'm not going to tell you what weight class I was in. But a little bit different than I am right now, I can tell you that. Hey, now, Marty, I'll tell you what. Now, you, you're going to represent Wade Hampton High School. And I want you to be, you know, I don't want you, I heard, I've talked to some of your friends, and I know what you'd be doing on Friday and Saturday night. I want you to quit that. Oh, yeah, Coach, sure. And I know you what you do on I know what you do I know who you hang out with and what you do. I, now I would have wanted to do all those things. To honor the coach and the opportunity to, to wrestle. But dear friend, I'm gonna tell you, I didn't have the power to do it. Because many a time mom said, Don't do this, grandma said, Don't do this, friends said do don't do this, youth pastor said, Don't do this, and I find myself doing it. Why? Because the flesh was alive. And it was alive until April the 15th, 1989. That's why, dear friend, as an unsaved person, you cannot win the spiritual battle. 
An unsaved person, oh, he may stop for a little bit. He may stop one habit, but I guarantee you, stop one habit, he'll do another habit. He, he might start, he smart, might start one this thing, but he'll start something else because we're chained to those things like fetters. We can't get away from them. But the day that I got saved, now I was no longer under the penalty of the sin, and that power no longer chained me to that sin. That's why I could, I could be different and say no to those sins. Or you say, well, preacher, don't you struggle sometimes with things of the past? Sure you do. Sure you do. And if you read Romans chapter 7, you'll see Paul the Apostle struggle with sin. When you're saved, it doesn't mean you sin. You don't sin. It means you should, by the grace of God, sin less. You should sin less. So we see Paul's words to the Galatians, Paul's words to the Romans, and Jesus' words to Mar Mary and Martha. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He said, now preacher, you fall over right there off these steps and die right there in front of everybody. You mean tell me you're not going to die? Well, my body's going to die, but my spirit's not going to See, Paul wrote to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. The very instant, the very second that this body quits breathing, this heart quits beating, I'm going to be with Jesus forever and ever. I will never die. I will never die. Some people are afraid of death. Afraid of death. Dear friend, I'm not afraid to die. It's the most glorious, wonderful thing. It's going home. It's going home. Oh, dear friend, Paul's reminding the Colossians that they have a risen Savior. That the path to holiness not, is not self-denial. It's of some sort of humi a fake, a fake humility, some angelic experience, or, so of, of, or some type of ceremony. No, salvation is in, or, or, or completeness is in Christ alone. And let me say, dear friend, it's a one-time event. I hear people sometimes saying, preacher, I get saved every day. I pray to get saved every day. Let me ask you, ladies, how many times did you, birth, did you birth your firstborn? Aren't you glad it was just once? <laughs> you wouldn't want to go through that again, would you? Uh, I was with my wife about 3 o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't want to go through that again. <laughs> I know she wouldn't want to go through that again. Uh, it was a little better the second time, praise God. Hey, dear, how, how many times was Jesus Christ crucified? How many times are you saved? Once. You don't need to pray every day to be saved, dear friend. Salvation is a one-time one event. Jesus went to a religious leader called Nicodemus, and he told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. He didn't say, Nicodemus, you must be born again and again and again. <laughs> he just said, you must be born again. It's a one-time event in the history of your life. It's not a repeated thing you do all the time. Now, obviously, as a saved person who knows Christ as Savior, we're going to ask forgiveness, but that's not establishing a relationship. At salvation, the relationship is established. It's, it's after salvation when we sin, we ask forgiveness to restore the fellowship. It's like my son, who will always be my son. No, if he changes any, everything about him, he will always be my son and my wife's son. If he, does, if he disobeys me and, and, you know, doesn't take out the trash, when I tell him to take out the trash because it's supposed to be Monday, and he says, I'm going to do it Wednesday, and the trash is already gone, and I say, son, why didn't you take out the trash? He says, 
Ah, I should have done it. I know it was wrong. I, I had this, this, this to do. I said, you know what's trash on Monday for a long time? And he comes back to me and says, Dad, you know what? I should have took out the trash. Ah, our fellowship is restored. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know how often we do this on a regular basis? How often do we sin? I don't know about you, but probably all the time, right? We struggle with this. So we see that Christ is risen and we are risen in him. I love that old song that we sing at Easter. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how he, I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Oh, friend, we must realize that we are risen with Christ. Because we're risen in Christ, then secondly, we have to remember our responsibility before the Lord. Look at verse 2, or excuse me, the second part of verse 1. If you've been risen with Christ, then, basically at this point, seek those things which are above. No different if it had just said, seek those things which are above, without first saving, seek if you'd be risen with Christ, you'd say, well, you'd say, preacher, seek things that are above, seek things that are above, seek things that are above. I understand that you look above, but you would have no power just to seek things above. You first have to realize that you're risen with Christ. There's an order, there's a method to all this. Once I realize I'm alive in Christ and dead to my sins, now, practically speaking, how should I live the Christian life? By seeking those things which are above. Paul says, I once was a child, and when I was a child, I, I, I handled things that were a child. I talked about things that were childish. But now I'm a man, and as, a, as, a, as a, an adult, now I don't do those childish things anymore. He's, there's a maturity, just like there should be a physical maturity. As, as a baby, he doesn't stay a baby for 15 years. Hopefully he grows and becomes a young man. Then an adult, praise God, we hope, right? He goes out and be a productive member of society, not someone who's going to stay in the basement till they're 50. Amen? Well, somebody say amen. Or somebody say, oh, me. And we can talk about that later. <laughs> you should change. Dear friend, there should be a maturity in the spiritual life too, shouldn't there? There should be a growth. He says six things above. What type of things? Heavenly. As we read in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. How do you become a, a, a godly man or a godly woman? You seek his righteousness. Don't be consumed with what you eat or eat your drink or your clothing. Focus on things that matter. Focus on things that are eternal. Think on things that you can't actually see. Focus on things like love. Oh, we need more love, don't we? Focus on kindness and tenderness and gentleness and goodness. How much we, even who know Jesus Christ, need to love one another and be kind to one another and, and help one another and pray for one another, encourage one another. We just need to do these things. Not just talk about these things, but actually do these things and live this type of life. How do we do it continually? Because sometimes it's a struggle. You say, preacher, you know, it's hard for me. to. I'm kind of a quiet person. Hard for me to, to go up and talk to somebody. 
Well, we all struggle in life. I think about Albert Einstein. I read that he was dismissed from a school in Munich because he thought to lack interest in his studies. He failed to pass an examination, enter into Polytechnical School in Zurich. He became tutor for the boys in Zurich boarding house, but was soon fire, fired. But he didn't give up, did he? Oh, we wouldn't know Albert Einstein if he gave up. How about a man by the name of Lou Gehrig, all you bas uh, baseball fans? He was an awkward, awkward rookie. Ty Cobb, the famous baseball player, said, Look at those piano legs. He'll never last. With all his shortcomings, he became what, what is his endearing name as the Iron Man with 2,130 consecutive games. Oh, he looked at the very, at the very beginning like he can't do this. There's no way possible. And sometimes at the very beginning, especially, we may fall, we may faint. But dear friend, we don't give up. We seek continually. And that's what we ought to do in life. And we see a parable about this in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, that Jesus spake a parable unto them unto the end that men always thought to pray and not to faint, saying there was a city judge which feared not God, neither regarded men. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me. I will avenge her lest by her continuing, continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. He, and shall not God revenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge him speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, he shall, find, shall he find faith on the earth? Here's this widow who goes to this unjust judge, and she just nags him and nags him and nags him, and then he doesn't fear God or man. He says, I'm going to help this widow lady because she's bugging me to death. Oh, dear friend, she was consistent in that. She was faithful in that, and she got the Lord, the judge's attention. How much more should we, as children of God, go to God and ask for prayer, for ask for strength, for ask for for, for help in a time of need, for ask for grace and mercy. It says there in chapter 3, verse 2, set your affection on things above and not on things on earth. What, what, what we're supposed to do, it, when, you, when you have something that you're affectionate about, you think about it. You dwell on it. And you tell everybody about it. Well, after that date with Angie Goosey uh, in June, 28th, 1986, I went around and said, I, I think I, man, I, I got me a, woo, it's going to be good. And folks said, now, 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 Marty, you've done this before now, okay? You, you, is, uh, you, you bring home this girl, and are you sure she's the one? Well, I, I believe so. I hope so. I'm praying so. That she's, that she's the right one. I want to tell everybody about Angie Goosey. I think she's the right one. She's from Kentucky. And man, she's wonderful and she's beautiful and she's great. And all these other adjectives that I don't have time to keep on going and telling about. But I want you to tell. Man, when your heart's set about it, you just can't get over it. Man, when your football team wins, you're like, oh man, they're the greatest. They're the, they're the wonderless. They're the bestest. And all those other things you can't say and they don't speak good English. You just, you just get excited about it. Do we get that type of excitement about God? I mean, how many of you going to go tomorrow and say, man, I heard this great sermon about this bald-headed preacher. He said, man, you know, we've been risen with Christ. We need to seek things above and set our affections on things above. No, you'll say, oh, man, we had to show up tomorrow at 9 o'clock, and here we all are again. And half of them are going to be late Monday. 
Hope of them are going to be hangover, hungover Monday. And hope are going to be complaining about the work schedule about their boss Monday or every day. Are you going to be different? I'm so glad today I got a job. You showed up 15 minutes early. Ooh, that's different. <laughs> you didn't complain about your circumstances, about your situations, about your low wages. You didn't talk about, about your wife or your husband or about other, other people. You didn't talk about the problems of the world and the president or the, or, the, or the senators. You didn't talk about all these things. You started praising the Lord. And maybe you started singing a little song, Oh, victory in Jesus. And the folks look around you and say, that guy's a kook. Yeah. Maybe you're a kook for Christ. Oh, dear friend, you're different now. You're not singing hell's bells. You're singing about Jesus. But dear friend, you keep singing about Jesus, and that poor soul that you're, that you're working with who's going through a difficulty, they just got bad news about their health, they'll come to you and say, you know, I heard you talking about Jesus, and you know, I, I need some help. I got a son who's going through this. Will you, will you show me in the Bible what can I do about my son who's going through this? You see, but if you go in there complaining and late and arguing and fussing and fighting and half hung over or smelling like death, you think they're going to come to you and ask you anything about Jesus? You see, dear friends, if we walk in miserable like everybody else, why would anybody want to look to us for help? In the holy word of God. Set our things, set our affections, set our thoughts on things above. We see that in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What do you have to do? You have to, instead of thinking about negative things and wicked things, and sometimes even good things, think on these things. That's why it's so important to get in the scripture early in the morning and meditate, maybe just on a, on a verse or just a phrase or even a word in the word of God and think about it and think about it and think about it so you might be encouraged and help in your day. Psalm 119 verse 9, Wherefore all shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to thy word. Psalm 119 165, Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Oh, dear friend, be saturated, be thinking about the Word of God, not about the world, not about things of the world, not about the troubles and trials and politics and problems of the world. Oh, it's so easy to get caught up in those things. How many remember the old comedian Jack Benny? Some of you remember him. See, one story goes that Penny Pitch and Jack Benny was walking along. Suddenly, an armed robber approached him and said, Your money or, my, or your life? Jack Benny pause and do anything he said the robber cr uh, cried out well jack benny said don't rush me i'm thinking about it <laughs> that's how much he loved money psalm 23 someone revised it the lord is my banker my credit is good he giveth me keys to his strong box he restoreth my faith and riches he guideth me in the path of prosperity for my name's sake Sometimes we get caught up in so many things like money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Oh, say, preacher, I said the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is a, is a necessity. But if it's all you think about, how to get money, how to get rich, how to have more than that person, how to drive a better car, how to have a bigger house, how to have more things, dear friend, if you do that, you will be miserable. You'll be miserable. Don't live your set your affections on things down here. Set your affections on things above. 
we're going to be walking on gold one day. We're going to be going through streets of pearl. Don't be consumed with this life. Be consumed with the next life. How do we set our affections? Consistently. Romans chapter 6 and verse 21. Where your treasure is, that your heart will be also. We have to think that which is right. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink. Your circumstances may be bad. Your situation may not change. But your perspective about the situation may change. One person look, get up in the morning and say, Oh, it's a dreary day. It's raining in Florida. Another person may get up and say, Well, the birds are getting, getting some, something to drink today. It's all about your perspective. One person gets up and says, oh, it's, it's bad and it's sad and it's going to get worse. And somebody, people, other people get up and say, thank God for another day to live. How do you get up when you get up in the morning? It ought to be different. Psalm 119, verse 97, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat? And the body more than raiment, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? How can, you, how, how can you grow? How can you change by worrying? No, dear friend, it doesn't help you. It only hurts you. Instead of worrying about it, dear friend, how about changing your perspective and start praying about it? Start praying about it. The Bible says in, in, in James chapter 5, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Oh, dear friend, change the way that you are because you had an old master, your flesh, the world, and the devil, who used to rule, rule you and, and, and tell you what to do. But now in Christ, you're, you're, you've been risen with him. You're dead in him. Set your affection on things above. Uh, set your affections on things, not on this earth, but on things above, because your life is different now. I give you this analogy. Say you're working somewhere here in Gainesville, and you had a boss, and they ask you to do certain things. And naturally, as a Christian, you try to have a good attitude. Obedience is doing what you're told, when you're told, when the good attitude, whether you're 5 or 95. It's always the same. Your boss comes to you and says, would you do this? Yeah, I'll do it for you. Sir, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, I'll do it. Say five years later, you're no longer working for that person, and you see that person in Walmart, and they come up to you and say, hey, I need you to do something for me. <laughs> and you say, well, you know, it was so nice working for you, sir. It was so nice working for you, ma'am, but you're no longer my boss anymore. You see, dear friend, you're no longer a servant of sin. You're no longer a slave to those things which bind you. You're saved. You've been born again. You're risen with Christ. You're different now. The question is, will you live like you're different now? We realize that we are risen with Christ. We remember our responsibility before the Lord. And thirdly, as we close this morning, we recognize our position in Christ. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ. First of all, we see our past position. We're, we're dead and we're hidden in Christ. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified in me, and I unto the world. The past tense here, this word, means actually you have died. Indicates that death took place when? Like I mentioned, at salvation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. 
In what sense has a believer died? In the sense that the penalty for sin has been paid for, as I mentioned. The interesting tense of this word means it's imperfect, which stresses ongoing effects. It continues to happen over and over and over. Because of what has happened in the past, it has ongoing effects to the day that I meet Christ. Because I've been saved in the past, it continues to be a blessing to me, be an encouragement to me, to the moment I meet Christ and into eternity. There's few things you can do in this life, few investments you can make in this life that are anything equal to your salvation. You may put money in the bank, and I know people to put money in bank, money in socks, and money in every which way and still lose it. But dear friend, your salvation in Jesus Christ, you can never lose it. It will never, ever go away. It never go away. It's an eternal investment. That's why it's so important that we have it. That's what's in the past, but thank God for the future. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, oh, how important that little phrase is. We could sit here and talk about that all the day long. When Christ, who is our life, we could ask the question, is Christ your life? When Christ, who is our life, or could I say, is money, which is my life? Or is it work, which is my life? Or family, which is my life? Or fun, which is my life? Or things, which is my life? No, Paul didn't say any of those things. He said Christ, which is our life. Dear friend, if you put Christ as your life, it'd be better than other things that I mentioned to you. You give God your life, he will bless you past what you could even imagine. I used to come to Florida to vacation. Now I've been living here for 22 years. I've been living here where I used to vacate. How did that happen? Because of your planning. No. Because of your financial prowess. No. Because you married a wonderful woman. Well, that's part of it. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But I'm going to tell you how I'm here. Because of God. Because of God. God does all things. He can do, he can do above and beyond what you can imagine, what you can even think. If you give the keys to God in your life, he will bless you and help you and guide you beyond what you can even imagine. We have to be willing to do that. That's our past position, but our, our future position, where Christ who is our life, shall appear, then shall, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. It's our future position. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 20, for our conversation, that means our life, or the way of our life is in heaven. And also our speech, our conversation, our life, our speech is in heaven from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Oh, dear friend, I went to the dentist this last week. I'm not going to go to the dentist anymore. They ain't going to be poking and prodding my dentures anymore. Oh, my teeth. Oh, my, te my teeth anymore. Uh, hey, I'm going to get some new hair. Amen? I won't have to buy stock in Rogaine, praise God. Hey, man, all the aches and pains are going to be gone. There'll be no more banking. Amen? There'll be no more bills. Amen? There'll be no, there'll be no more hospitals. Amen? Last week, we had one lady getting a stint. Another, another lady, I think it was Daly, she's, Daly, she's still in the hospital. Miss, Miss, uh, Miss Colleen was getting hand surgery. And, and Mary Elena, she was in the hospital. One day, all four, four ladies, my little prayer wheel broke. I was like, you ladies, you ladies are killing me. <laughs> You're in the, all of you four ladies in the hospital at the same time. Dear friend, I won't make any hospital visits in heaven because the great physician is there. 
It's all going to be over. Because we're going to be like Jesus. We're going to have the body perfect like Jesus' body. We see it in 1 John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world, world knoweth not us, knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Oh, dear friend, that day's coming. And may I say to you, dear friend, it may come today. Before you go down there and feast on that Sunday's barbecue or the Dave's, I got to say both. Wherever you go to get your meal, you may be eating heavenly angel food in heaven because of what Christ has done in your life. Oh, I say the song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. The older I get, the more strange this place gets, and the more I long to be with my heavenly Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and my loved ones who's gone on before me. I long for that day where there's no more sin, there's more, no more struggle with, this, with Satan in this world of pain, and this veil of tears we call life will be all gone. Oh, I'm looking forward to a better day. Dear friend, are you looking forward to that day? How, like, how about you and I living like we love Jesus? That we've been risen with Christ. How, how about how about as we set our affection on things, seek things above with Christ sitteth on the right hand of God and setting our affections on things above and not on things below. Oh, dear friend, help us, Lord Jesus. How we need help, Lord Jesus, to be different than we were before. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. If I was in this room and I had any doubt, any doubt whatsoever that I wasn't saved, you know what I'd do? Even if I thought I made a decision when I was five, it is very, very typical for, for young folks at 5 and 10 to make decisions for Christ. Nothing wrong with that at all. But sometimes at that 5 and 10, they forget what, it, what happened, and you're just not sure of that decision. Why not be sure of it today? Someone came to me not too long ago and said, Preacher, I don't know if I made that prayer. I think I prayed that prayer, but I'm not sure. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. Let's pray right now. You know you're a sinner? I'm a sinner. You know, Jesus Christ is, my, is your Savior? I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. Would you pray right now and ask Jesus Christ to be, my to be your personal Savior? Let's do it right now. And be sure. So on this day, whatever day that day was, you know you can look back and say, on that day, you've been saved. And if you're here in the crowd this morning, you say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. But dear friend, why don't you take care of it today? Why walk out of these glass doors not sure of your salvation? But if you know you're saved, let me ask you, dear friend, what are you setting your affection on? What is, what is your focus on? What are you seeking in life? Are you seeking your kingdom? Are you seeking his? Is it all about you? Oh man, there's so many things that, that, can, that, that tend to try to crowd us in life. Whether it be politics, or sports, or other things. Oh, those things aren't bad in themselves. Or even work or family. Thank God for those things. But dear friends, those things aren't my life. They're just part of my life. You see, dear friends, none of those things will really matter 100 years from now. The only thing that will matter to Marty Moon is, 
do I know Jesus Christ? And what did I do with the knowledge of Jesus Christ while I knew him? Did I share him with other people? Or did I keep it quiet? Not tell a soul. How about you, dear friend? What are you seeking in this thing we called life? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house once again on this Sunday morning. Oh, Lord, we have the, we have the, we have the key. Oh, and sometimes we forgot about it. We have the key to the Christian life and the fact that we, we, we've been risen with Christ. Now we need to seek those things which are above. We need to set our affection on things which are above. We need to realize our position in Christ. You remember our future, which is in Christ. Oh, God, you are the answer to all our problems. It's not in more money. It's not in better things. It's not in better health. It's not in better people. It's not in better methods. It's all about you. Oh, God, please help us to recognize the importance of your son in our life. With head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Maybe someone in this room would say, Preacher, when you talked about not being sure of being saved, there's many a time, maybe recently, that I've said, I, I, I think I prayed that sinner's prayer when I was five when, with mom or dad or uncle or with a preacher or deacon. But I'm just not sure. I don't, I don't want to have any doubts. I want to know for certain when I die, I'm going to go into heaven. I don't even want to think about the, the possibility of going to hell. I want to know for certain. And I've been having doubts. Would you pray for me, preacher? No one's looking around, just me. Just me, you, and the Lord. I've just been having some doubts, and I just want to be sure of my salvation. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that at all this morning? I'm just not sure. Nothing wrong to be embarrassed about, dear friend. All of us, I think, from time to time have doubts. I'm just not sure about it, but I want to be sure. I'm concerned about it. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all I can pray for? How about you, dear Christian? Where's your affections? What are you seeking? It's so easy to get caught up in this world, get caught up in the busyness, the work, the things, the stuff, the education, whatever it may be. Have you got so caught up in it that you, you, can, you honestly can't say that Christ is my, is my life? I'd have to say work's my life. Social media is my life. Friends are my life. Things are my life. But I, couldn't, I could not honestly say Christ is my life. I'd be lying if I said it. Preacher, pray for me today that by, by the grace of God, I will choose to set my affections on things above, not on things on the earth. I will choose him, not myself for this world. Would you pray for me by the grace of God that I'll do that? That's my prayer today. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that this morning? That's my prayer. Amen. Praise God. Amen. That's my prayer. I know how easy it is you got family, you got work, all these things. You get so busy. It's easy to get caught up in it. Forget about the Lord and how He's blessed you and how He saved you and how He helps you and how He strengthens you. You just get caught up in it. Before long, you haven't read your Bible in maybe days. You haven't prayed like you ought to in maybe weeks. You just get so caught up in this life. So, preacher, I'm struggling. I didn't raise my hand before, but I'm raising it now. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? Let's stand to our feet this morning. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you're not sure, would you come? Brother Travis, love to talk to you. If you're a lady, we'll have someone else talk to you. If you're a Christian, you say, I'm just struggling putting Christ first in my life. I know I need to. 
I think we all know we need to, but difference, it's not the knowing, it's the doing. Today, maybe you need to come forward and say, Lord, I'm, today I'm committing myself. I'm surrendering myself anew. I'm dedicating myself anew to putting Jesus first. As a piano plays, whatever God wants you to do, Holy Spirit speaking to you. You made to make that commitment. Make that choice. Make that decision. You're still caught up in the world and the things of the world. They won't satisfy you, friend. They won't help you. Seek heavenly things. Things that will matter a million years from now. Would you come? eyes upon Jesus. Thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be here to worship you, Lord. Lord, help us to set our affections on Christ. Help us set our affections on you, Lord. Help us not to get distracted by the things of the world. And it's easy for us to get distracted. Just help us to focus on you, Lord, and uh, keep you first and foremost in our hearts and our lives, Lord. Lord, help us to take the message and apply it to our lives. Please uh, take us home safely this afternoon and bring us back safely at next appointed time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.